support for this podcast comes from Staffing Future. Nowadays, your recruitment website needs to do more than just validate your business. Websites are your digital front door, where new clients and great talent should come knocking. So do you want your recruitment website to stand out from the crowd, generate new business leads and placement revenue? If that's a yes, then talk to Staffing Future, the recruitment website and technology experts. Get a free website and technology stack review and competitor analysis today. Just visit staffingfuture.com slash rules. What great ideas are so close within your grasp? Seeing other points of view, anticipating change, considering multiple possible turnouts, acknowledging uncertainty, searching for compromise. We're going to talk about how to get over those limiters of innovation so that you can extract better thinking from yourself and your team. So let's talk about how to win the future. Welcome to the Marketing Rules Podcast from Thinking Circles. With me, your host, James Whitelock. How often have you been told that you need all your systems, your tools, your apps, and your software to be connected? But why is this so important? Talking to me this week is Chris Gerardini from Turnkey Technologies. Turnkey specializes in ERP, Enterprise Resource Planning, and using this to build long-lasting customer partnerships. Welcome back, everybody, to the Marketing Rules Podcast, and I am joined today by Chris Gerardini from Turnkey Technologies. Um, Chris, where are you based in the U.S. at a minute? I am just outside of St. Louis, Missouri, so I'm smack oh. in the middle of the U.S. Ah, oh, amazing. Um, you are the first kind of guest we've had on from uh, St. Louis, Missouri, so uh, you know, you've broken our cherry in that sense. Um, Chris, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Maybe uh, for our listeners, you could give us a little bit about your background. And I know before we kind of started recording, you've been you've been running the business for over 27 years, I think you said. But, you know, give us a little bit of your journey into kind of where you were before the business and how you kind of then got into, you know, uh, turnkey technologies and and the, all the kind of successes and all the kind of things you do today. Sure, sure. I appreciate that. And thanks for having me today. So, you know, the journey started again a long time ago, but, you know, coming out of high school, I wanted to be an engineer, kind of like my father, who was a rocket engineer. And so, of course, I studied electrical engineering and but I really liked computers back then. And so I switched from electrical engineering to computer science. And mom and dad said, get a job. And I couldn't believe it. But I ended up landing in a public accounting firm. And finishing my degree in computer science and applied math. And back, that was back in the 80s. And I got latched on to accounting software. That is how it started. And so trying to pay tuition and found somebody that needed software. And I went in and implemented a, a, an accounting system, you know, inventory and sales orders and accounts receivable. And I learned accounting. So that's where it began. And I spent about eight years in the public accounting um, environment. And I grew up. I learned how to sell. I learned how to do. I learned I was doing a lot of custom development and uh you know, and then it, 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 what really broke it through is I wrote a hybrid uh, multi-currency system back in the early 90s and got to go to Vegas to show the product. Next thing you know, I'm on an island in the Caribbean for five weeks and I had to come back and quit. And that was it. And that's how it started. So in 1994, I walked out and started Turnkey Technologies and I, I stayed true to what I was doing. So, you know, even 27 years later, we focus on business applications. And that is, we, we don't call it accounting software anymore. They call it ERP, Enterprise Resource Planning, because it's much more robust. But uh, today, about 85% of my business is implementing ERP solutions, Microsoft Dynamics ERP solutions, and the rest is CRM, customer engagement. So that's that's kind of been what I've been doing for the last 30 years. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about kind of ERP and customer engagement and customer experience. Um, but I just want to kind of dip into what you just mentioned. So your dad was a rocket scientist. He was. Yeah, I was a space brat. I lived in Galveston. 
Texas for two years, and then we lived in Cocoa Beach, Florida for a couple of years. In fact, the family now has a home in Cocoa Beach 50-plus years, and we watch launches from the balcony. So I actually saw a launch wow. a few weeks ago. Hey, it's it's impressive. We, SpaceX is putting up uh, – uh, you know, 16,000 something Starlink satellites. So they're sending birds up all the time. So uh, it's yeah. quite exciting. But yes, um, he got me. That, got me. That yep. is very, that is very cool. Um, yeah. So actually from, from my backyard, I can, we see the Starlink satellites go over. Uh, you see them kind of pass over every few seconds. Once, once they've been launched. Cool. It is, it is, it is it's very, very cool. cool. Uh, I've never managed to see a, see a launch myself. Like I said, I am, I'm a bit of a space nerd, uh, but one of my, uh, one of my uh, ambitions is to see a launch at some point, but they well, seem to be going off all the time now, right? They're they are every week. And and the the unreal thing is when they come back down and land. We were mm. we were down there last year and we saw two in one week and we watched it come up. We're like, okay, let's go back in. And we're like, wait, 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 it's coming back down. And we watched it land. And I think that's the that's the new tech that we haven't seen yet. So if you've taken yeah. off, it's great, but watching them land is just something real. It's just yeah. Stuff. I mean that that kind of that whole kind of um, being able to reuse those kind of rockets now, where they because they can land on the platforms, and I mean it's 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 something else. We, I could talk about this all day, but we're not going to take it offline. <laughs> we're not going to. We're going to talk about um, ERP and um, and kind of how to make how to use that to make kind of great customer partnerships. So maybe it's worth starting at the beginning and how how you would define ERP initially, because the, you know there might be people listening who kind of you know it's another an acronym basically for something else that we're not it really is. sure exactly what it means so we always maybe tell you people. can kind of give us a bit of a background and what, how you define it absolutely and i think you're right those are acronyms erp and crm over the erp and crem we don't need any of that what is it but i think that the the terminology has changed but it, it really is business application so if we think about the tools that allow us to execute business processes within our business whether that's a front end you know lead to opportunity business process or it's you know a quote to cash type of process but so erp it is accounting software at the core, which means in the middle of it is the financial hub, general ledger, payables, receivables, again. Um, and then as you move into different businesses, they have supply chain requirements, which is inventory and purchasing and, and sales orders. And then we move all the way through production. That's the manufacturing where we define engineering and, and how do I make this and, you know, and executing, you know, manufacturing where we build and produce products that we turn around and ship. So it really is a fully integrated set of business applications to run run an organization whether that's just a simple org or a much more complex organization um that's probably the most concise kind of explanation i've ever heard for that um which is brilliant thank you um where does that cross over with something like staffing and recruitment because obviously you know that's a lot, lot of our absolutely are in there. so where, where does that cross over with that it, it you know and it's it's related so if we use that concept of a hub and we extend out from the hub with different business applications um recruiting and talent flow right into human resources. So in, in most of the context, when I implement manufacturing systems or project management systems, we have people, we have resources that are people. So that takes us into the human resources. And then you, as you, as you move from there, where do we start? Oh, I need a recruiting platform to, to solicit talent, to apply for positions and have them, you know, as we go and hire them and onboard them, it flows all the way into the human resources system in that ERP system. And then what do I do? I finish the profile and next thing you know, he's a worker on my shop floor or I'm assigning him to to work on a project or you get it but but human resources and human capital management um, is is core to our solution it's it's in the it's out of the box what's not there is oh we need a recruiting platform that, that touches LinkedIn for example or yeah. but that's it's it's all related as far as we're concerned human capital management and even payroll they're all they're all core functions yeah, yeah of course um, and uh, you know uh, reading your kind of bio and a little bit more about kind of turnkey uh, you know there's a big emphasis on 
how you use this to kind of build partnerships with customers, right? And that is kind of one of your kind of selling points. You know, this is this is kind of part and parcel of that. So, you know, what makes a good kind of partnership with a customer when you're kind of when we're kind of talking from an ERP and BOS kind of um, perspective? Sure. And, you know, the customers we engagement, they have serious need. They know that they need to replace legacy technology and they're looking for a partner. And again, that term partner means a lot. It's not just selling licensing and taking orders, but it's almost becoming an adjunct to their team where I, I empathize with executive leadership and I understand business profoundly. So I step in there and act like I'm part of their team. And it's like, what would I do and how would I guide them? And it's not about teaching them so they draw their conclusions about leading them and moreover. So is when we're effective at leading a customer to those outcomes that they desire, meaning they're like, I need to get to this. Well, they don't know how to do that, but we have to come in and use our experience and our leadership. And it's just that we have to lead them to that. And that creates a longer term partnership because we're a trusted member of their organization, even though they don't have to pay us all the time. It's kind of an on demand, but but that really defines a difference as opposed to somebody saying, I'm going to buy some software and I'll do it myself. And they're figuring it out ineffectively, you know, zigging and zagging as opposed to very direct to the end result. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to know how Thinking Circles can help your recruitment marketing, then visit www.thinkincircles.com. So in that sense, is the technology subsidiary to the kind of the what the business is asking for that's kind of like the business business you're dealing with wants this and then you know the technology just kind of works in the background basically or is it a situation that you're selling in the technology because they've got the because it's the problem they're trying to overcome you know what i mean yeah there's a couple ways to think about it and the business applications out of microsoft this dynamics platform it has a lot of inherent business process support so we're not building it we're not writing a custom app in fact, you know, you like to see 90 plus percent of it show up out of the box, but it would be the equivalent to, hey, I'm going to sell you a Ferrari, but I got to teach you how to drive it. And it's complex. Mm-hmm. And you can't just jump in that car and you may, I can get it up to 30 miles an hour where I can show you how to get it up to 180. So there's a little difference there. We're not building the car. We're selling a car. But moreover, you need the instruction on how to configure and, and get that car to the point where it, it, it does exactly what you want. It delivers your outcome. But the, the business applications are very similar. There's business process conduits is another way to describe it. And it's a framework and you configure it to the business's requirements. And then guess what? That's it. Two can tween it a little bit. But And um, is this relevant for every business, do you think? Um, or is it certain businesses and certain industries you know, is this, could you just kind of, could you clone this or is, I mean, have you ever got to the point where you've turned to some business and gone, actually, this probably isn't for you? Well, I think that every business has business process requirements. They don't all have the same number because I could come into an organization that's pretty simple and they may have, let's say they have 15 business processes. They still have those. They still need to know how to, how do I get my payroll data into my general ledger? How do I get my cash in the bank? How do I pay bills. Everybody has those basic fundamentals. And and where it changes is as organizations reach complexity, they have more business processes. And they have nuances within a, a single process. There may be seven iterations of it because how does the order show up? It comes in from the web. Oh, I have to do this. How does the order come in? The sales rep takes it. Oh, I have to do this. A phone call, an email, a fax. Right. There's, you know, there's a there's a variety of ways in just that example. And and as we grow in complexity, companies need, you know, a platform that supports all that diversity and in the dynamics apps we sell, it's robust, meaning, you know, 
six months from now, something can show up and you can react to it because it has that foundation of business processes in there. So every company needs business process management. It just, it varies to the degree of complexity. And, you know, in simple things, people still can manage them manually, right? They can use an Excel spreadsheet and it's not because the volume's low, the complexity's simple, but as volume increases and complexity increases and headcount, the, the ability to coordinate and collaborate kind of crumbles as well. You know, a handful of people, you can collaborate. A thousand spread across the U.S. because of COVID, all of a sudden you can't collaborate unless you have a, a platform that really hands off the work. I started it. How do I get it to you efficiently where there's not a big delay in getting from me to you? So, uh, again, that business process management and those tools really help every organization. So, um, so two questions. One, how many businesses are you dealing with that are still using facts? <laughs> You know, it's interesting. Uh, I don't hear a lot. We have a fax machine. I don't, you know, I don't know how to use it. It's kind of a crack up. But uh, do people still have somebody drop and fax something? You know, I don't know a lot of that, but they still, there's people that still have fax machines for orders. I kid you not. Um, yeah, so the, the, uh, my actual question is, um, how does this kind of, how does this uh, help a business thing grow? Because I, I would imagine that the scalability is kind of a real kind of key to this. Um, and so does it, is it flexible? Does it kind of contract and get bigger? Because the businesses, obviously, over the last year, some of them got a lot smaller, some of them got a lot bigger. Some of them are now, obviously, they're, they're working kind of distant, distant reaches of the world. You know, how does this kind of flex with all that? It's a great comment. And the can shrink, can grow. And I think in the world of cloud computing and subscription licensing, yeah, it can shrink, it can grow. In the old days, we bought it and it didn't shrink. And But that, that scalability is the key detail here. So yes, the licensing can shrink and grow. But as you think about a business and, and creating that solid foundation where they can scale, and, you know, today people throw labor at growth and they don't get the efficiencies or the profits. But once the, the foundation of the business process are in place, they can deal with more volume, more capacity because they're not touching every transaction. They manage the exceptions, which is a smaller percentage of the work that's flowing through the business. So it's imperative. Even in my organization, we've upgraded our systems about a month ago. Um, we run Dynamics and now we're in the cloud. And I actually feel like we're positioned to scale even faster and grow even faster. And imagine the companies that hit COVID and couldn't do e-commerce. Think about their ability to pivot. And so the, the the orgs that had the system in place, they're like, oh, we need to do e-commerce. How hard was that? Well, they had the right foundation to build on. And I think that's a key detail is, you know, to have the right platform and have the business processes really efficient gives you the ability to scale without throwing labor at it. Um, and we've talked a lot about these kind of these these kind of theoretical examples have you got any you know you don't have to go into kind of too much detail about the brand maybe but have you got any kind of real life examples of where that kind of scaling has has has, has been put in place well if you let's use an example with quoting and estimating and you think about the bottlenecks that that can create what happens oh i a customer needs something oh i've got to go to engineering and i got to get an engineer and now I got to get this engineer to put it on his calendar and he's going to come back and he's going to do something. And so there's delay, there's cost. Um, and then the, you know, the automation is we create what we Im implement a configurator, for example. What's a configurator? Everybody's like, I've never heard of that. Mm -hmm. Well, that allows a, a non-technical, non-engineer to have a user interface. Of, well, what are you trying to sell? Well, I'm trying to sell a, a boat. Oh, click boat. Oh, wow, there's four boats. Well, what size do you need? Okay, I click the size. Now I'm in the 25-foot boat model. Oh, what accessories? Motors. Pick a motor. Great, I picked a motor. What else do you want? Well, I'm going to upgrade my interior. I'm going to change my radio. And I'm, and I'm not an engineer doing this, but behind the scenes in this, this tool, this configurator, it's got all the engineering rules. And guess what it does? Now it comes up. Okay, here's your boat. Oh, red. Now it's red. Accept it. 
generate a proposal. The proposal just flew out the door and guess what? The customer gets to e-sign it. Oh my gosh, I didn't even have to mail it, print it. He e-signs it, comes right back. It's e-signed. Guess what? I have a contract. It just landed in my ERP system and all the configuration details of how to make that boat just landed in that back office system. I didn't key it in. Now all of a sudden in, in the system, there's a sales order that says this guy's buying this 25-foot custom boat and the engineering in the back office system has a bill of material. It has requirements and it knows, great, now they run their process there, tells them what they need to buy to make the boat. It creates the engineering plan, schedules the workers. Guess what? The boat gets built, goes out the door. So that that example there is we look at using this front-end configurator technology. And guess what? My engineers don't even get involved. Maybe they do. Maybe there's a checkbox that, hey, you hit one of those. That has to go to engineering for review. But maybe that's only 5% now, as opposed to 100% of everything I quote goes through engineering. Perfect example where I've, I've gotten more focused on how I use my engineers. My sales reps are out there and they can pick options and create this quote, get a beautiful proposal. It's very fast. It's very efficient. So there's a perfect example that if I had more demand, I'm more efficient on my quoting. I'm more efficient on my proposals. The data automatically integrates into the back office system. So I'm not keying it in. I don't have accuracy errors, but there's a great example as we look at, you know, it's almost what we call an engineer to order, or maybe this is a configure to order. Um, But even in the engineer to order scenarios, we can create those pathways to create that efficiency. And that gives you the scale without, again, I'd need more engineers to quote boats faster in that example if I didn't have those tools in place. But whereas is one engineer may be able to handle five sales reps now because he's only dealing with a smaller percentage of those exceptions. There's a great example. Um, A couple of times there, you mentioned the the word kind of automation, which gets me thinking about um, the future of these kind of technologies. Uh, A lot of times we hear the term artificial intelligence banded around. And I'm just wondering, you know, from an ERP um, standpoint and solution standpoint, where, what's the future hold? Is it more automation? Is it more, is it artificial intelligence? Where, what's coming in that's going to make this even more efficient? It's, it's so true. And it's already here. So my, my guys have built service bots. What's that mean? You go to a website, it's a guy, how can I help you? And it's not a person. It's a bot. Guess what happened? He got, man, he got service right now because of a bot that's out there communicating with the guy. And bots learn and AI learns, which means the conversations and guess what? Oh, bless uh, Espanol. So now all of a sudden the bot is speaking to you in Spanish. Wow. I don't even have a person. He's on seven by 24. So there's an example right now where, you know, I always do that on the internet. Are you a bot? Where do I get one of those? And they're like, no, I'm not a bot, but most of them are. So to that point, and and AI on the backside is artificial intelligence is now crawling through, you know, CRM data and ERP data. On CRM data, it's marketing insights, it's customer insights. On ERP data, it's coming up with business process suggestions, and it's looking all the time. You don't have to have somebody looking at a screen to tell you, hey, here's a way to improve your production processes. So there's AI now scrubbing back office ERP data. And that's that's Microsoft, that's Microsoft, Microsoft Dynamics. Not everybody's doing that, but we're seeing it today. So your point is, if you fast forward three years, wow, okay. How much automation is there going to be? I, I continue to see it creep in. Are we going to have bots running the production lines? They've already got robotic automation today, right? The systems are communicating with those things. So again, you got eyes, you got sensors. So there's really not a limit as to how much they can do. Um, there's a group here in town where they automated everything except for where the salamis come out and they're wrapped and tied and they had a nice group of <laughs> lovely ladies doing that. I go, can't you automate that? They go, you know, it's not the same as having six grandmas in there tying salamis. But there's an example where automation fails. However, large amounts of the, of the processes can be automated. Uh, and again, AI and bots, they're helpful. They're going to find things that humans aren't going to find, unfortunately. 
unfortunately. Um, and, so. and, and on that point, what is that? What, what's the future then for you know you as a business and your engineers? So if there's more automation and there's more AI, or AI um, that it's kind of this kind of almost robotic process outsourcing is starting to do these kind of little tasks and it's kind of doing more and more. Do you, do you as a business then start to it's kind of, does your workforce get smaller or do you, or is, it more, or is it more, 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 is it just more things to fix? To that, our workforce, our consulting workforce does not shrink. We still need professionals to configure and to articulate what these processes should do with the automation. Um, on the backside in production shops and some of that, yeah, we're going to see people being replaced. And even, you know, Amazon talks about a fully automated warehouses and picking and packing. They may be hiring people today, but their plan is to deprecate all those people and have full automation. So there are certain jobs that are going to be able to be fully automated. There's other ones that you're still going to have to have people in there. Um, but again, how intelligent the intelligence gets out there, it could be interesting. So, yeah. And um, let's kind of jump over to my favorite uh, subject. And I know you've mentioned that you've, uh, you've got some experiences with regards to marketing. Um, where does kind of, uh, you know, where does the, the, the marketing department and the marketing solutions kind of fit into this? You know, obviously we talked about bots and that's kind of, you know, it could be argued that that comes under kind of your, 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 your marketing solutions. You know, where does this kind of top level kind of bit fit into kind of funnel people down into into these sure. uh, solutions. It's great. And as you think about marketing insights and that being artificial intelligence is what's it doing? It's analyzing the data that we have on different businesses and it's try to, to recommend higher probability opportunities. And so as you think about where, hey, I've got 10,000 names on a list, well, that doesn't help me. And, you know, the, the historical methods is we used to send them an email. Did they respond? Did they click? Did they open? Did they spend a minute on it? Well, if, if you take the human and, you know, analyst out of that and you put an artificial intelligence analyst in there, that that AI is searching more than just the content that you have. You imagine them trawling the web, looking for information, looking for blog posts, commentary, press releases, news articles. So the automation of marketing insights and having AI help you take that 10,000 prospect or lead list and turn it into something a little bit more tangible because we want to talk to people that want to have a conversation. And so it's all about filters, right? So that's where I see artificial intelligence helping on the front end of marketing. It's just going to give you better clarity of the data and identifying the people you really want to have the conversations with. And I think that even on the backside, when we're, we're looking at customers, artificial intelligence can analyze customers as well and identify, hey, you should probably call these people. You haven't talked to them in a while. Their sales have dropped off. And so what is AI looking at? There's a number of different metrics and dimensions that it's going to trawl through. But even at raising the flag and saying, hey, you need to call this customer. Well, that's great. We need people to prompt us and help us do that. It may even identify, hey, this customer needs something. Wow, my sales rep didn't figure that out. But if you think about supplemental, right, it doesn't eliminate the person. I still need a rep to go call on that customer. But he's got so much more information um, to engage with the customer on because of that. Yeah. yeah. So that sounds a little bit almost... You know, you know, four or five years ago, we were, everyone was screaming on about big data, right? But, you know, from what you've just described, it's much more about specific data. That's what that kind of sounds like. Instead of kind of grabbing everything and, and sorting through it, which obviously we know kind of AI can do, it's more about now being, you don't need all the data, you just need the very specific data that's Correct. going to be of value to you. Perfect example. In my industry, I'd love to know what software you're currently running today. If I knew that... I can, I can change my conversation. If I know you're running a 10-year-old legacy ERP system, I know you've got a problem and you need to do something. You may not be acting on that today, but I certainly know how to drive the conversation further. And that's, that's not volumes of data. 
you know, but by industry, I think they're different data points that are going to make sense to analyze that we can make decisions based off of. Yeah, uh, that makes complete sense. Um, uh, Chris, it has been uh, an absolute pleasure talking to you. This has been, I know, short and sweet, but um, it has been to the point, and I hope everyone who's listening has uh, has, uh, has got something from it. What we'll do, we'll include all your details on the show notes. If anybody wants to know any more about you or your business, uh, they can get in contact. Uh, but for now, Chris, thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Marketing Rules podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms. I've been your host, James Whitelock, and I hope you can join me and more amazing guests next time. Marketing Rules Podcast is a Thinking Circles production.